You're listening to episode 89 with Erin Mosley, president and founder of Erin Mosley, Inc. Happy International Women's Day. This episode is brought to you by Rogue Water Lab. Hi, this is Christina Amidpour, Managing Director at Isle Utilities. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the value of communication in the water sector. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Corso and Ariane Shipley. We are proud to announce our new nonprofit venture, Rogue Water Lab. A tribe, an experience, a calling, a hub where you can learn, connect, and grow. The lab is cultivating the next generation of innovators in water communication and education. Why? Because progress is a human story. And those who tell the stories rule the world. So the question now belongs to you. Are you ready to join the revolution? So we were super excited to get to talk with Erin Mosley, president and founder of Mosley Inc. Uh, On this episode, you know, we wanted a wonder woman of water and I I mean I think we found one mm-hmm. uh, we're also coming down the high from the YP summit that we got to co-collaborate with on with her and Tom Coonins that was uh, that was awesome um, I thought it was funny that in our introduction you and I like both didn't even realize that her background was in engineering <laughs> I know that blew my mind <laughs> but I mean we I both mean- go ahead Erin's all up in her feels, and that's just not the norm. So that was exciting to, to hear about. What's funny that tipped us off was her amazing spreadsheet skills on yeah. laying out the outline for white I knew family. there was something left brain about that. <laughs> so we talk about that. We talk about her background. Uh, we also, for any of you out there who are having hardcore FOMO uh, about not being able to be a part of the YP Summit, we, we do a little recap of that. We, yeah. we get into that. Um, so we talk about what communication means to her, um, power of purpose and knowing your why. Yeah. They, they kicked off the whole thing with that at the summit. Mm-hmm. That was really powerful. Um, of course I get to talk about Brene Brown and vulnerability and having those difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, we went through how we should start, you know, you can't communicate outwardly until you communicate within yourself and or have internal communications um, in process or in progress before you can communicate outward so within yourself and your organization yeah it all starts inside this was really cool for me because I got to actually meet Erin at WebTech 2019 and uh, Arianne wasn't able to be there so it was really cool for me for her to be able to nerd out with us together and Mm -hmm. talk about comms we touch on innovation and because this is International Women's Day, we obviously talked about diversity and inclusion, and I really loved her yeah, take on it. Scratch that equity and belonging. Yeah, love it. And Erin's uh, the first person who has made me completely want to rechange the way we do the lightning round. <laughs> so yeah, you thanks a lot. I just had that second one memorized after eighty-nine <laughs> episodes. <laughs> so we're super excited for this episode. Uh, Aaron, or otherwise known as Pink Mosley, is president of a rapidly growing consultancy that provides innovation, leadership, and executive style coaching to professionals and organizations. She's worked in the water sector for 25 plus years, and her clients include professionals at all levels of their careers, nonprofit and professional organizations and municipal government. And so her clients are practice and apply deep innovation and influence skills to replace their chronic frustration with next level results. So 
without further ado, let's get to the show. So we are super pumped to be here with Aaron Mosley, who we just got to do a fantastic collaboration with her and Tom Kunins at YP Summit. And so I said, hey, it's International Women's Day coming up. You're the woman I want. So thank you, Erin, for, <laughs> for um, uh, agreeing to or taking the time to chat with us. We're super stoked to be having this conversation with you this morning. Great. I'm so honored. And the whole International Women's Day thing, it's amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Yes, this Mm -hmm. is perfect. So we have a kickoff question that we like to ask all of our um, guests. And it is, did you choose water or did water choose you? That's a great question. Water chose me. Yeah. And I bet people do get split down the middle. But for me, I was a young engineer and it was the job that was available. And I got interested and started to dig into um, into water, but I had trained as a civil engineer, um, environmental for sure. But then the job was there, water was there, and I was hooked. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, what's a, Dive into for me a little bit more of, of your journey from engineer to Aaron Mosley, Inc. Extraordinaire. Like what like, was so zenful and so like emotions and like... <laughs> You know, I'm like, how did you go from that right brain or left brain to right brain? Yeah, like that seems just, crazy. That bridge seems it is kind of crazy. I know <laughs> if you want to live in my head, right? <laughs> I do. I like it. Yeah. It no, it really is. Well, I will say that the engineering piece and the engineering mindset is is um, consistent, and so people will often joke like, "Boy, you've come a long way from being an engineer." And I say, "Well, not so much, really. I still kind of tackle things with that problem-solving approach." Um, so I'm always looking for the root, like, "What's the root of the problem? What's the root of the problem?" And so engineering was a great place to start. Mm-hmm. And then I started to realize, in this world, and particularly in the water sector, it wasn't often the technical solutions that were the biggest challenge. We have lots of brilliant engineers to solve the technical solutions. I was not one of those brilliant engineers. <laughs> and so, so I started to focus on utility management and leadership and um, got into management consulting. And because I worked at a firm um, that was large enough, I was able to kind of you know find my way in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sustainability was always, always a very deep part of my work. That notion that we look at the whole problem and not just cut it down into little sections that are convenient for us. Yeah. Um, and then eventually I got into innovation. And, um, and again, what I was finding was that the deeper we could go in this sort of emotional and relational and person to person, um, sort of problem solving as it were, mm-hmm. the better our results would be. And so for me, I've, I've done this journey from a very sort of analytical <laughs> frame of mind, but then I ended up saying, well, if I follow that logic, it here's where it leads me. And so I got to dive in. And so the past several years of my life has been diving into um, stress physiology and neuroscience and all of that stuff um, in order to get more informed and just more comfortable with that whole right side of my brain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I saw your, I guess it was your framework or the outline of the presentation, okay. I was just going to say, I was like, Oh my God. I I knew there had to be some engineer tendencies <laughs> yes, in right. there because <laughs> it was perfectly laid out, very mm-hmm. structured and and we for creatives that don't have that left side um tendency as much, it's so appreciative because 
we, like she says, like we say this all the time, we can follow a process. We cannot create a process. Uh, you know? yeah. So yeah, I yeah. love that you created this process, this framework, and we're like, okay, we can do this. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate you saying that a lot because there is something to the, to the work I do in executive coaching and the work I do with organizations. It really is kind of bringing in a lot of stuff that um, I would say analytical types are fearful of, you know, some mm-hmm. of that kind of view it as mushy. I would have a few years ago viewed it as mushy. And there is something about the way I can describe things and make them a little bit of a step-by-step process that makes it more approachable. Um, It's sort of, yeah, just kind of combining that organizational plus the willingness to go into the you know, shadow areas or whatever. (laughs) That's so funny that that was the example she gave because that's Mm -hmm. also what I was thinking is, uh, I knew that you had obviously experience in the water industry, but I did not know that Mm -hmm. your background was in engineering. And Mm -hmm. so then when I saw that doc, I was like, man, that's an awesome doc to follow to late. I mean, because we put on Catalyst and we put on our own summit. And so we were like, oh, wow, that's, probably should take some pointers from that doc right there. Oh, thanks. And a lot of that too, um, I will say, is my teaching partner, Tom, because he has the educational experience Mm -hmm. and doing events. I mean, we definitely work together. So the executive coaching part of that is me and the kind of process I would bring my clients through. What he brings to that party is translating that for the workshop, the group setting, the Mm -hmm. size of the group. And so that's where that nice combination comes in of the the science and the lecturing mixed with the interactive. And really, we both of us think very, very carefully and compassionately about the journey and the experience that the attendees are going to go through. Yeah, so that's a, that's definitely a little bit of the magic of the two of us working together. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I think we've teased people enough in, in this. And so I do want to dive into the, the 2020 YP Summit that we just had an amazing collaboration experience with. I know that even there was a lot of FOMO across the nation uh, in terms of people who were seeing the lineup. Yeah. Seeing the lineup (laughs) and seeing the topic and um, not only just wishing that they could be there, but that they could be a YP again. So that (laughs) I wanted that. That's the event that I I wanted when I was a YP, right? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And I loved it because the focus was on, to your point, uh, of what gets deemed as the soft stuff sometime and that's communication. And that word, obviously, as all words do, has a literal definition. But what we've learned over the past few years is that when you say the word communication, that means something a little different to every person that you say it to. And so it's really good to kind of get on that basic, okay, this is what I mean when I'm talking about communication. So what does communication mean to you and why do you see it now so much as a foundational to the work that you do? Yeah, it's such a great, great question. We had to tackle that, of course, even in our initial conversations with the organizing committee with the YP Summit. When you ask for communication, what are you thinking, right? Yeah. For me, and I know that this, as soon as we started collaborating together, this resonated with you, um, communication, I focus on connection, the feeling of connection, the trust that gets built. Um, Oftentimes, I find that um, communication can get not misused, but communication. You can label something communication that's talking at people. Yep. And you guys know this. This is what you do, right? And it's and that's not that's not the same thing as really connecting with people and talking with them. And um, 
and it's not even about talking more as much as it is about listening better. Mm. That's really where my work comes in and where I see one of the biggest shifts that people can make um, by being willing to be brave and go into connection and not just exchanging information. Right. Yeah. Well, I love that you raised that point of, um, of listening because so oftentimes we're just waiting to waiting for our opportunity to speak that we're not really listening to what's being said. But I think mm-hmm. the missing link also, when you talk to people about communication, to your point about it's about speaking at other people. Yes, but feedback is a part of the communication loop. And I feel like that's also a place where we miss out sometimes where we talk, 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 talk. And this is coming from kind of the work that we do in creating strategy and content development, but we're not, we don't have any mechanism in place to get any sort of feedback. Like what are people, what do people think about what we're putting out there? Mm -hmm. What do people think about these regulations or this new ordinance or, this new pollutant that everyone's freaking out about or contempt, you know? So I think that that's also a piece of communication too, that gets missed is how are we putting those mechanisms in place to be able to get that feedback? Because that should really be what's driving your strategy and your messaging and what you're doing. And even internally, if if your feelings get hurt or something and you want to express that there, there's really not ever an opportunity unless you are so intentional about sitting down with someone and saying, look, let's talk through this. Like, let me tell you where, you know, it hurt me or I got the miscommunication on my end and let's talk through this. And you both have to be open to that feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and that is the skill, right? That's, and so oftentimes what I'm doing with my executive clients is I'm helping them. And these are skills. It's not like you ever get a hundred percent good at them. This is like, you know, my clients range from the young professionals we were working with to executives in their sixties. And there's Mm -hmm. me, you know, who does this for a living. There's, and you guys probably too, there's always the next thing you can hone, the next tough conversation you can open up, et cetera. And, and that's the thing. And then when you take that into a group situation or an organization or an industry, it really, each person has to have that, that courage and that ability to open up to hearing Mm -hmm. just someone else's stress kind of ricocheting around the room (laughs) and be able to just not get triggered and then do the same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So it does come down to each person has to work on themselves and then we might have a chance to be able to have that flow out into our, you know, bigger society discussions, like what you guys are doing in your work. Mm-hmm. See, this is why I said that our questions are like guideposts because in my brain, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to talk about that. Because <laughs> otherwise we'd be going ping, 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 ping. There's so many questions. I know. I know. I know. We could talk all day. <laughs> so back to the YP Summit a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we love that you and Tom kicked off with the power of knowing your purpose at the mm-hmm. YP Summit. So share with us how and why you lay or you two laid the foundation with that at the summit. Actually, that was Stephanie's idea. Oh, no, it was, um, yeah, with the very first phone call one Sunday morning, we were trying to juggle yeah. schedules and we ended up on the phone on a Sunday morning. And, so, and I was just so excited. I'm like, we have to do this as a collaboration. It would be crazy insane if we don't. And so we just started talking about some of these basic questions like you guys are posing right now. And Stephanie said, well, I would really love the idea of really focusing on purpose. It seems like something that, you know, would is a benefit and that doesn't get done enough. And I was like, absolutely. I could take some of my work around creating transformation and purpose. And for me at that point, so then sort of Tom and I stepped away and we said, okay, we'll do the interpersonal piece and we'll figure that out. For me, the, the powerful thing about starting with purpose 
was, and we're getting the feedback for sure right now, the, um, the YPs are sharing their purpose. They, they are finding, I'm having conversation with, conversations with them that they are going into work and feeling better about being oh at work because gosh. they're connected wow. to their purpose. Right, and this, of course, is my heart is overflowing. Yeah. Right, don't you get that. the goosebumps? Yes. Yeah, yes. so it's, it's. I love after a workshop like mm-hmm. this because there's so much the ripples going out into mm-hmm. the industry and the world. Um, but the piece that 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 was important to me that I think even more gets overlooked is that once we do have that connection to our own purpose. Um, sometimes what can happen is we can get stuck because we get so excited that we know our purpose and then we start to do that talking at thing that we just Mm -hmm. mentioned. Mm -hmm. And what's way more powerful is to appreciate that everybody has a purpose, even if they don't know it, even if they're not as connected to it, but something is driving them. And so if you become this sort of curious person and, and start to listen underneath what people are saying and doing and start to connect with their purpose and then be the magician or the wizard that can create, that can see the shared purpose and guide, as you guys would say in your storytelling, <laughs> guide the, the direction of what's happening through this shared purpose. I, I have certain things that I live by, you do. There might be lots of things we disagree on, guaranteed, we're human beings, but there's some stuff we can agree on and let's start there. And so yeah. that's really the magic of where our morning session went from there is purpose, shared purpose, and then some of the skills around how to do that. And then to you guys with storytelling and the other speakers, of course, as well, kind of being an example of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Kudos to the YPs who actually got up. I I glanced over, you you assigned them to create your purpose and then go write it on the on the wall mm-hmm. and there was lots of sharpies and I didn't get to go read them. I, I wish I did. Either. We do have photos but and I think, good, yeah, good. I, think still have it. But yeah, I glanced over at one point in the day to see, and sure enough, it's covered, mm-hmm. covered in all these colors of everyone's purpose. And I thought, Oh, kudos to the YPs. Cause they're so engaging. Mm-hmm. They were yeah. so engaged. They were like, I'll participate. I'll go up the stage and give answers. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's why I always, I think of it always as co-creative. First, we were co-creating with you and the organized committee, but once we're in the room, we are co-creating that event with the attendees totally. and the participants. They and they were amazing, amazing to work with. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad that you guys took that Sunday morning suggestion and ran with it yeah. and, and yes. made it See? and made it what it was because I mean that's obvi- that's probably why it resonated with me so much because that that has been absolutely life-changing for me to really like hone in on that and focus on that because that's what's that's what's helped me get through challenging times that's what's helped me get through adversity Mm -hmm. um I definitely am not able to put on put in the amount of work that I do for everything that we've been doing the past two years because of because of a paycheck, like I would not be able to do what I do if I did not 100%, 1000% have that purpose and passion for it. So it's just, it's so, it's so important to have. So I'm, I'm glad I'm so like that really did give me goosebumps that, mm-hmm. that people have been sharing that with you. Cause that is just, that's amazing. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And for us, I think as entrepreneurs, right. And, and business owners, uh, the, my journey to owning my own business, I never in a million years would have pictured myself as doing what I'm doing today, right. but it was because I did my own work around what is my what is the best work I can do in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, where's that combination of what I can provide and what people need. You know, all of that kind of work. You know, because it, it can get more sophisticated than the basic stuff we introduced in the summit. But um, 
once I had that and was following the truth of that path, it just mm. became obvious. And otherwise, if I had been defining myself by other people's um, constructs, I would not be where I am today. It was because it was that inner knowing, right? And through yeah. these techniques that we have. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of touched on this in the beginning and uh, I'm super excited to dive into it a little deeper now, but I'm a huge Brene Brown fan. Uh, her research on shame and vulnerability has rocked my world. That's not an exaggeration at all. And I see it everywhere now and I recognize it in everywhere. And I saw it a lot at the summit when we dove into that session about having those difficult conversations. And, you know, to Arianne's point, it, it is hard, but it's so important that we learn how to lean into those conversations because those walls that get built because of the things that we're not talking about and that tension is often what keeps us from moving forward and from being success, successful. Uh, mm-hmm. Stephen Drangshelt, who presented with us, had even this just this week shared with me some difficult conversations that he's had to have at work and how things were able to be resolved because, you know, he came in hard with with empathy and, and led with that. So let's talk about hard conversations for a minute and ways to navigate some of the stress that comes with that. Let's talk for a long minute. Let's talk for yeah. a long minute. <laughs> this is a good therapy. topic, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it yes. is such an important topic, right? Um, for sure, in my uh, background, um, in terms of my kind of journey, Brene Brown is part of it. There are a lot of other researchers doing wonderful work, mm-hmm. particularly as her work on shame and vulnerability, lots of other folks doing uh, what I actually then even moved deeper into was a stress physiology and trauma and how trauma plays out, which is very, very closely related uh, mm-hmm. to Brene's work. Um, and her work is so accessible and the way she writes is, you know, beautiful. So, um, but what I would say if I had to boil it down in terms of tough conversations, um, what I would say is that the conversations are difficult because we come into them with expectations. Mm. And, you know, whether that's we're trying to convince someone of something uh, because we have a very strong belief or whether there's a specific outcome that we have in mind and we're trying to kind of manipulate the situation towards that. There are lots of ways that we come into conversations, but the stress kind of comes from the fact that there's something that we want out of it and then we're trying to get it, you know, at yeah. kind of a very simple level. And it's so it comes down to that control. And so the the all of the research and science and techniques, and I also draw from the contemplative traditions and, you know, um, mindfulness and all that, what they can help us do is release some of that control. And so what what I like to play, I actually like to play with conversations like that. If you can recognize your stress, we did a lot on stress awareness at the summit. It's a lot of my work. If you can begin to recognize how, where and how you get stressed, what triggers you, get really curious about that, then you can, can begin to, it, it gets less intense and you can begin to play a little bit. And so then I'll look at conversations. I'll actually look at making the problem bigger. What if you look at this conversation in terms of your purpose and what you're trying to create in the world? What if you look at the conversation in terms of like one tiny little thing that you know you that you can um like one victory in terms of shared purpose for example and let go of you know something else so you kind of can play with the how you view the conversation and it kind of basically comes down to replacing this need to control which is natural for humans with curiosity and it's curiosity about the person about yourself about the situation and and really one of the things that can change how you approach it is to not even think about it as the people, the individuals, but think of it as the situation. You know, I'm not trying to convince this person. I'm trying to 
look at this situation and see what the best outcome is. And, um, and so when you kind of come in with curiosity and if you can like stress, stress will block our ability to be empathetic and compassionate and it'll block our social engagement capabilities. But if you can kind of get a handle on that, then you can come into it with all of that, your whole intelligence, your whole, you know, ability. But even if you don't, even if you're super stressed, even if it's like a horrible, at least you can just go in and listen a little bit more and use the techniques, you know, and, and, um, and see where it goes. Um, but that's, uh, but that's where I think, you know, really uh, stressful conversations can open up is if we just reframe them entirely and practice, practice, practice. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, Tom and I, when we were developing, because the last exercise we did was around um, the participants practicing a real conversation that they have in their life right now and practicing mm-hmm. with the techniques. And he and I talked about um, is can we give them a recipe? And again, that's his skill set around how to do a workshop. And we tried and I came down to said, Tom, there's not really a recipe. This is more about mastery and practice. And he said, you're right. He said, but we can give them these steps and have them begin to practice. And that's Mm -hmm. where we landed in terms of the workshop. So yeah. (laughs) Uh, So many things. Did you, I felt like you were going to say something. You go first. Okay. (laughs) I might have to pay her therapy rate. (laughs) I have to hire yeah, after this. Hire real quick. Um, well, I love that you. I have like several follow-up things. Number, well, one of the this is just um, a statement when you talked about curiosity, mm-hmm. and at the last catalyst, I have to give a shout out to Chris Wolf because we were all in this Uber, like one of those Ubers that holds like six. There were like six of us in this Uber and we our seatbelt. Yeah, we all had seatbelts. Of, yeah. of course. Yeah, I've yeah. never been in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> and we were taking an Uber to dinner and our Uber driver was of a much different ideology uh, than everyone in the car had. And mm-hmm. so for the, the most, and he was very proud and happy to talk openly about that, even though none of us were really engaging him in this conversation. But all of us, the rest of us were kind of just being quiet and like, you know, politely. Mm-hmm. But Chris, who is probably one of the most outspoken of us, though, was just, he just kept on asking questions like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. And, you know, wh- why do you think that way? Or, yeah, or a lot of but why's. Yeah, a lot of like, but why's and just digging, digging deeper and diving. And none of the questions sounded um, hostile mm-hmm. at all. He wasn't like, why would you think that? It was just right. very like, oh, really? Like, hmm, I mean, did you have like some sort of experience that made you think that way? I mean, it was amazing. And we got out of the Uber and we were like, we kind of all just looked at him like, what did you just do right there? And he was able to have this really pleasant conversation with somebody who thought completely different than him just by being curious to your point. So I've gotten to see that in action, ladies and gentlemen Mm -hmm. listening, and it works. So try it. It (laughs) It is. And it's, and that's the thing. And once you do it, and once you begin to experience conversations from that angle, the feeling is so good because it does, it feels magical. It feels Mm -hmm. like, oh, what did I just do? That it will very quickly become a new habit. You know, and that's the fun thing about it is that now when I approach conversations, I can sometimes notice my stress kind of trigger a little bit, but then right away I'll be like, ah, but I know if I enter into this with open Mm -hmm. mindedness and curiosity, something interesting will happen. Yeah. There's a podcast I was listening to and they said, when you're talking to, you know, a narcissist, for example, this was the whole podcast was about narcissism. And it was saying, instead of go, you know, 
questioning in a normal way that you would normally question or, or walk away or, you, you know, they give you like a couple little one-liners like, Hmm, that's interesting. Tell me more, mm. you know? And so little things like that. So you could keep the door open and keep that dialogue going and try to get a little bit, dig a little deeper and figure mm. out where their purpose, you know, where it's coming from or where, what their why really is. So yeah. That, and that's interesting trying to too. practice even just that one line. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and of course, if you're, and you know, everyone has different kinds of coping um, strategies that they use and narcissism is one of them. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's one that's particularly sure. difficult to work with. And, you know, that's in a case, then you also need to know, of course, how to maintain your own safety, you mm-hmm. know, sort of a good, healthy boundaries, all that other stuff comes into play mm-hmm. in some of those situations mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I guess my follow-up question was though, and like how, what's one trick you can give people to, to stay mindful in those mm-hmm. situations, to not go what we say full lizard brain and just react <laughs> and do what you did where you recognize I'm about to, oh, I need to like sit back in. Mm-hmm. Or let me give a shout out to Matt. I can't remember his last name. Can't remember his last name. But he yeah. was, um, he's nominated for president of 2024 <laughs> and he'll love this. He just froze <laughs> in that difficult conversation. He bird, just froze. Bird beast. So yeah, yeah tell, tell us, give us some nuggets. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, well, Stephanie just mentioned uh, the beast bird fish exercise that Tom does. Um, And so the purpose of that, of course, was to get people and and for your listeners, we won't go through it, but basically it puts you in an immediate uh, stressful situation that you kind of can't avoid. It's a very in-your-face interactive activity. And the purpose of it was for people to recognize what they do when they are put under stress Ah. and to to have that um, knowledge of your physical response. Because a lot of what... um, what I work in and what Tom helps me with, with some of these uh, interactive activities is the um, embodiment of your intelligence. It's not just your brain, your whole body is part of your intelligence and the physical messages that we get are super important. And so to know, so first of all, just physically to know that you, your shoulders go up or your stomach goes wonky or your whatever, you know, (laughs) are you someone who's- Right, clenching your jaw. Um, Are you someone who tends to freeze? I'm a freezer as well. If you're, or you're just, someone who goes right into fight mode, like kind of just knowing Straight that. into armpit sweat. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So all of those things, those sort of uh, behavioral and physical reactions you get, if you can mm-hmm. learn those, then that will give you that very, very early warning <laughs> sign. Um, but then the other thing that I work with my clients a lot on is just, again, it's the notion of practicing like we did at the summit. But I also practice with people in their real life that they'll <laughs> They'll um, take some of the techniques and bring them out into their life and then they'll come back and we'll talk about it and how did that go? Did it go well? Did it not go well? But the practice in what I call low octane situations. So take a situation where it's only a little bit stressful and start to notice how your stress shows up and goes away. Mm-hmm. Notice if you can kind of get out of your own lens, your own uh, what, what's called autobiographical thinking, you know, your own interpreting the conversation. Can you just sit with a friend and put your own thoughts aside and just listen mm-hmm. and receive and be there for them and hold space? Then once you practice in low octane, then when the situations get a little bit more stressful, you've got the habit of doing it and you know it works. And so it'll become stronger and stronger the harder the conversations get. And again, that never ends because as we step up into this leadership, the situations get bigger, they get more complex, there's more people like what you got, you, you're all all are doing with the communication with the community. So there's no end of practice, but just practice. <laughs> yes. 
Mm-hmm. His name is Matt Mancheesi. Yeah, Mancheesi. So That's shout funny. out to Matt. Yeah. He's not on social media, so you can't tag him. But, you know, I'll get his email. I'll send him to that. I like that you talked about um, the whole body yeah. because several times you talked about your thinking face. And I'm yeah. glad that you called it your thinking face because – I've always known it as resting bitch face, and right, I have but, that but, hardcore. But I have it too. Right? <laughs> okay, but here the de- that here's is the true. Deal. I, I could take her RBF or anyone's RBF. Her fire eyes, next level. <laughs> next level. Yes, my daughter knows that it's not really bad news until I go silent because it's like it, when I go silent, that's when it all. That's when it's really yeah. going bad. But right. So interesting, right? So other and that oftentimes other people can tell us more about our stress response than we can. So that's actually really good. <laughs> so ask people, like, how do you know when I'm really pissed off? Like mm-hmm. you go dead silent and give me fire eyes. Yes. Um, and then be willing to hear the answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got to hear it in I'm gonna go straight up. I got to hear it in therapy with her, with our with our therapist, and she was like talking about this interaction that we had and she even talked about the way I stand and I said, the way I stand and she got up and she went and like impersonated Nailed me it. and I <laughs> laughed so hard. <laughs> right. And that's, and isn't that wonderful? Cause once we can see that it's like everybody's got this stuff, we can yep. just laugh at ourselves mm-hmm. and then it releases some of that. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> I had one more question before we, we moved on, but it was just, because uh, you had mentioned you work with uh, stress and with trauma. Mm-hmm. And I know trauma is another word that's one of those where it kind of conjures up different definitions to different people. So in your work, what does that word mean for you? Oh, great question. Yeah, great question. Um, so trauma by definition is, um, it's the, so if you've had, and you can have sort of big traumas and you can have little traumas. We all have some amount of trauma in our life, you know, some unfortunately more than others. But what trauma actually is, is how that memory lives in your system today. So it's not actually the memory of what happened because memories are, are fraught with, you know, all kinds, you know, our memories are not that good to begin with, as you guys know from your storytelling expertise. Um, but there is an element of having had a stressful situation, having had a traumatic situation that gets stored in your body and it gets, and it's pretty complicated, right? It's very complex in terms of your nervous system, your, your brain, your memories and your body. And so the trauma by definition is the fact that you will have, you may react to something happening today with, with a bit of this memory of something that happened to you in the past. And you might like, if you ever, if you ever had that moment where you're like, Whoa, why am I like getting so freaked out about such a small thing? Mm-hmm. It's because it's tied to, to, to this, memory that lives in, in, in your body. And so what we do with trauma is we try to just work with the fact that that can be released. And there's lots of ways it's more than I can go into here, but that actually can be released. Um, and, uh, and then you'll find that once you can kind of release that old stress, that's literally stored in your system that then you can approach things without all that triggering. That's often what triggering is when we use that phrase. It's like pulling up something. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's how, so that along with, like you said, some of the Brene Brown work, whatever, becomes a very rich place in which we can see why we get stressed out the way we do and why we carry that stress. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for diving yeah. into that. I <laughs> no, just, that was kind of going really deep, but hopefully I'm... <laughs> no, I mean, I, that's just... I wanted to make sure that it was really clear about what mm-hmm. exactly that we were talking right. about, because I think the what comes 
first and foremost for most people when they think of trauma is something physical, something physical or, 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 you know, something, something like that. But I I think it's important to realize that we all have some element of trauma through things Mm -hmm. that have happened to us and that that's okay. But it's Mm -hmm. just, but again, back to your piece of being mindful about it and stop and saying, why am I having, why am I reacting in this way? Cause that's just, yeah, exactly. Also, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I want to just touch a little bit more about that because, um, I like that. Like one time we, I like that you talked about the varying, um, the spectrum of trauma, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and that's so important because for some, for some people who, you know, have experienced this level, I have my hand up to a, a certain height at an this 11. level at a, at a, or even at a seven, mm-hmm. you know, they don't think their trauma is worth de- worrying about because they're not a 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And so they, there's some shame or some like guilt that they even feel this trauma. They being even myself feeling mm-hmm. this trauma that, well, I w- it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. And so one time Stephanie told me, um, your trauma is yours. You own it. It's yours. And you get to, you know, narrate that story. And it, and it just, something just hit me really hard about it is my trauma, damn it. And <laughs> if I think it sucked, then it sucked yeah. and I'm going to deal with it, you know? So it was just kind of this freeing moment of, I do own that, you know, it is mine. Mm-hmm. And That's almost beautiful. not yeah. being proud of what happened, but being proud that I own it. And you I can get do to with react it. to it the way I get that, to react yeah. however I want. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how we then like we have shame around our own tra- like it's just there's so many like weird like uh, yeah mm-hmm. un- unhelpful things that we do mm-hmm. to ourselves right mm-hmm. and it's true and then the reason to me like the reason to just get on with it is because if you are someone who is fortunate enough to be able to access this kind of information and to do that work to, um, you know, show up in different ways and choose the way you want to show up. That just makes you a better sort of person to be able to help others do that. Mm -hmm. Right. So ultimately it can be about helping others and acknowledge and having compassion for their trauma, but you can't help them until you do your own first. Absolutely. Mm. can't. Right. So that is a great segue segue into (laughs) the next uh, question. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we preach all the time that effective communication really begins within Mm -hmm. and, we mean that in a personal way because it's so instrumental to our personal relationships, but we also mean that for organizations too. So um, you have to tell your story straight internally before you can ever hope to have a clear, concise message to your external audience. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I, I tend to even think of organizations like organisms, right? Mm. Essentially, we're all little cells in this organism. And so it's, to me, it's exactly the same thing. And I'm, I often talk about having your relationship with an organization. So because I tend to work with a lot of people who um, are maybe in employment and are struggling because they're super frustrated and they're deciding, should I stay? Should I go? I mean, those are the same conversations you might have if you were in a bad marriage. Should Absolutely. I stay? Should I go? Yeah. Right. And, uh, and some of the techniques actually come from some of my own coaching that I've had around, you know, healthy relationships, whatever. So I, you know, it certainly, it behaves a little bit differently because it's a complex system, but 100%, if you for example, focused on your, your employees or focused on your community and really made those connections, right? As we're talking about making connections, listening to people's fears, um, using those questioning techniques you were mentioning from the Uber ride, like all of the <laughs> skills. And you had everybody with a high level of respect and trust, even though there are differences, 
then everything else be, would become easy, right? Because mm. you, you've kind of done the hard part. And the challenge is when we say, like, we get frustrated because we just want to announce things and then expect mm. people to follow us, mm. right? <laughs> right? It's crazy, but yep. how often do we do that? <laughs> yep, yep. Oh. Uh, and it's so funny, to your point that you just made, that for some reason, the rules of engagement when it comes to relationships, we completely forget about that when we sit down at our desk. So we would never go to a friend or family member or spouse and do exactly what you said and just say what you want to say and expect them to be like, okay. Yeah. But yet, Come when- to my child's birthday party. <laughs> right. Yeah. right? Now. Yeah. It's next right. weekend. Right. Seven o'clock. Yeah. Right. Come, to, come to the town hall meeting. Of course, you know, and if you don't come too bad, you missed out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, what? for some reason, when we come and sit down at our desks, we're like, oh, sure, sure. I'll put that out. And like, they'll be banging down the doors yeah. or they're totally yeah. going to be fine with this or that. We're like, but the people that you're talking to are also human beings. And yeah. since that wouldn't work with any of the human beings that you know personally, why do you think that it's going to work like on a mass scale? So um, it, it is definitely 100% about the relationship too. And I, and I love that you mentioned about when it comes to work that we feel like we do have this relationship with an organization. And when you said that, that made me think about branding because I think branding in, I'm sure there's other industries that struggle, but it's really hard for us to communicate branding, especially in this industry, because it, people just immediately jump to it's a, it's my logo logo on the water. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, like branding. And so we try to talk about branding as it's kind of the soul of your organization. It's your mission. It's your purpose. It's your values. It's, it's, it's the part of your organization that people can build a relationship with. And so, um, we feel that in other ways. And so that's, that's just, I guess this is therapy now. I guess I'm just sharing like (laughs) some of the struggles that we have in some of the different areas that we touch on, but um, yeah, we spend so much time at work. Like, why wouldn't we in some way feel like we have a relationship, not with like people specifically, but just it's our job, you know, it's, uh, I'm definitely married to rogue water. <laughs> so I get I'm not that. even going to go down that path. <laughs> I am too. And, <laughs> and it's a whole new conversation. No, I love it. Oh boy. All right. So you and I got to meet at WefTech in 2019, and we started to nerd out about innovation. We're kind of shifting gears now into a new area, a new new question area. So when it comes to innovation technology, technology is this bright, shiny, new toy. But before we can go to the toy store, we have to have the right culture in place in our organizations in order for our innovation to be successful. So Talk to us about your thoughts on how critical organizational culture is to innovation. And then if you can piggyback onto that, like some ways that organizations, some work that they can do to build that kind of a culture that's necessary to innovate. No, great question. And in some ways, it's a perfect segue, right? Because it does go back to relationships and connection and understanding how organizations function um, when you're not just trying to talk at people, but when you're really trying to work with them. And it's absolutely critical to good innovation management and good innovation culture. Um, but the thing that I that I would love to share is 
that there is, you know, innovation is one of those dangerous buzzwords these days that's used for everything. And I actually tried not to use it in my business, even though it is what I do a lot organizationally. And I have a partnership with a a great company called Innovation 360 that provides a lot of fantastic research um, that complements the kind of executive coaching work that I do. And what that research shows, you know, based on um, uh, actual companies and organizations um, participating is that um, that there are three horizons of innovation and the top innovators know how to work in all three horizons. And so what we see is the first horizon is um, your core business, right? This is what keeps the lights on. It's what you're doing day in and day out. Um, the second horizon is your incremental growth. And this is where a lot of organizations function and they think they're innovators because they're always looking for you know incremental growth. And that's great. But the third horizon is the one that really changes things, and that's the radical, being ready for radical innovation. And many organizations aren't good at going there because they view it as risky and they view it as a waste of money and they don't know what the outcomes are, right? All the metrics are very different when you're talking about radical innovation, which basically means, you know, what's the stuff we can't see yet? What's Mm. the stuff that's going to knock us off our butts? What's this, you know, all that, that kind of thing. But it turns out that if you really know how to create a culture of innovation and manage your business around innovation, um, radical innovators are actually more disciplined. It's actually less risky because in fact, they are looking for the big, you know, the big, what kahuna is going to come or whatever. Right. Yeah. And so that's, and the research shows this and it is a different way of, you know, it doesn't even have to be a big part of your business. It's actually, we usually say like a a small budget, small team is even enough for a lot of organizations, but you have to be doing it. You have to be investing it. You have to be taking it seriously. So, um, so there are skills associated with that are different. So if you're keeping the lights on horizon one, if you're incremental growth horizon two, if you're radical innovator horizon three, there are different leadership styles. There are different kinds of people who function well in those areas. There are different skills that you use, different ways you approach things, different metrics. It is different. And so, but it's also very clear. It doesn't have to be this muddle of confusion. Like, oh, we're going to try to be innovative. And so we're going to take one person and have them spend 10% of their time on it. (laughs) Right. I mean, there, there are really disciplined ways to do it and you can really see the value of it. Um, And then that would lead you past technology, right? So not just technology, emerging technology innovation, but into business model innovation, into organizational innovation, product, you know, any, there's like 10 different kinds of innovation that you can look at. And until you look at it, you don't know which ones are really going to be the best next step for you. So I do see in the water industry in particular, when I've worked with um, utilities or, um, or, or private companies who are supporting utilities, Unfortunately, there is in this research, there's a big gap between where the water industry sector is functioning and where the top 25% of innovators worldwide are. Mm. And what we would say, if we were looking at that as like just a company, we would say you'd be out of business in a couple of years, right? And so when I look at that as a, you know, denizen of the water industry, and I'm looking (laughs) at that, I'm like, what does this mean for us then? Because I have a feeling this is pretty widespread, right? There are some bright spots for sure. But what does that mean for us? It means some kind of big change is coming and it's going to be pretty stressful. So, um, yeah, so it's interesting to, to dig into that research and see what it means for us. So learn how to communicate. Yes, <laughs> stressful yes. tipping point is coming. Or is yes. Yeah, and all the skills that we're talking about, that's why, again, why you guys are doing this, why I'm doing this, that kind of leadership and that kind of communication will be you know, you know, you know, I do not use the term soft skills at all. Yes. <laughs> but those skills 
are going to be the most critical in order to make this whatever the sleep is we need to make. Yes. Erin uh, demonstrated her dislike for that term on one of our collaboration calls for the summit and I stood up and slow clapped Oh, that's her. right. I remember we had a dance party. Yes, I danced. I yes. <laughs> the horn out right I did um and you know what like I your statement about what's to come does not scare me it excites me like I think uh in the brave blue world documentary it gave me goosebumps actually when Matt Damon said how how lucky are we that we get to be the ones to solve this problem Mm -hmm. and that's the way that we need to look at this Mm -hmm. we don't need to look at this in a way of being afraid of change. Change happens. It's the train's on the track. It's already left the station there. You're never like change is inevitable, mm-hmm. but we just need to see it as how lucky are we that we get to be here at this point of time where, um, where we get to be some of the people that get to solve some of these greatest challenges and to be a part of the conversation. So just everybody who just got bubble guts by hearing what Aaron just said, <laughs> Spin it around (laughs) and look at it in a positive light. So, communication is the low hanging fruit. It is. Start there. Start there. Yeah. Start there. And it is truly, um, you know, it's not like change is ever going to stop, right? I mean, it's, it doesn't like whenever it's, this is it. This is the way life is, right? So, it really is like, okay, well, this is, this is what I get to do, you know, and, and step right into it. And, and I don't think that gap, because we have, we know what it takes, that gap, we can shift it for sure. Yeah. And I have another one for everybody. So at the YP Summit, <laughs> I wrapped the first verse of my shot from Hamilton. And Amazing. so I have another <laughs> Hamilton throwback to uh, throughout the, because obviously during the Revolutionary War period, there was obviously big change happening. And so there's this reoccurring theme throughout Hamilton that's look around, look around how lucky we are to be alive right now. And so yeah. like, Let's just come into this. Let's just come in hot, guys. And let's <laughs> I love it. And yeah, and like let's just take on revolutionize the water industry. I mean, it's uh it's our mission, but it's right here. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and one of the key players in doing that, I believe, is the women in the sector. Like, guys, we appreciate you. Come on with us. But I am so excited to see the women that are not only in this industry, but coming into this industry. The I kind of want to say like you had your hundred years. Now it's our turn. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was so uh, so amazing to see all the women in the room at the YP Summit um, this weekend. Like I said, is International Women's Day, so we obviously wanted to drop an interview with a power woman like you, and we're so pumped that you that you joined us. Um, diversity inclusion is a hot topic in the water industry. Uh, it, it's an important one, but also uh, it's it's hot right now. Everyone's talking about it. Every, there's task forces, et cetera. What are your thoughts on this topic as a woman in water? Um, and then I have some other questions. And no, so I'll wait, but I'll let you do that one first. Yeah, I know. And it's such a big one. And mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm just, I'm over here like blushing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I do. I, I, Diversity and inclusion, um, I find it very humbling because when I really dig in, um, I, you know, folks who are close to me know I've said, like, you know, it's about once a week that I catch myself um, living on some old assumption um, or, um, you know, saying something that's inappropriate or something that I want to just change the way I word something or a belief that I have. I mean, it's pretty frequent now because I've opened up 
to the reality of my own privilege as a well-educated white woman and not that my ancestors and my family didn't work hard to get me where I am, but you know, this is where I am. I had a lot of things helping me out. And, um, and so I have maybe once a week, I have what I call the shame wave where I'm like, Oh my God, like last week I thought that was okay. And this week I'm realizing how horrible it is. Right. And this idea of like really being open to ourselves and, and really I have to say like diversity and inclusion, the terms are starting to wear on me because I'm seeing, um, I'm just not sure that it's bringing us far enough quickly enough. And so yes. I'm way into equity and belonging and the feeling of like belonging that. and, and genuine equity that when people are showing up, they have voices at the table that we're listening to each other because I think that organizations are getting a little bit stuck in if I have a diversity program or if I'm, and even inclusion to me is starting to feel like it's a little bit of a pat on the head. And I'm mm. like, not enough, like mm-hmm. not enough right now. So, um, you know, and it's not just genders, of course, it's all genders, all, you know, all the different socioeconomic factors, et cetera. And it's a lot for us to wrap um, our head around, but it's ultimately for me personally. And for when I work with my clients, um, deeply humbling and, and really informative in how we can make connections and communicate better. So I'll pause there. I know that there's another piece to this that I can move into, but I'll pause there. There's something that there is. And I just love how the reoccurring theme of this conversation keeps coming back to just starting within and starting yeah. with yourself first and recognizing mm-hmm. that. Uh, who knew that Ice Cube would be so ahead of his time and you got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. But uh, I think that we also have to challenge ourselves to practice that also, because I think the more people that you engage with, that you build a relationship with, that you have friendships with, uh, work with, um, like that helps you to recognize and notice things that you wouldn't notice before. So like a quick story for me is, and this has been, this is like back when, right after I just graduated college and you don't hear it as much. You don't hear it as much anymore now, but it used to be the fact that everyone, a lot of people used to say, Oh, that's gay. Like if something was stupid or if something, you know, it was right. like, Oh, that's gay. Instead of like, that's lame. And I would say that all the time. And it never occurred to me what that, sounded like to someone who was in fact gay until I worked with a guy who was a good friend of mine Mm -hmm. and we were having a conversation at work and he said something and I was like I was like that I said that's gay but get in my mind I was like trying to like grab it back (laughs) yes I know that feeling (laughs) in my mind it was like that's Yeah. And like, <laughs> second I said it, I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't believe I said that. Like, I'm never going to say that again. And I have never said yeah. it again since no. that time because of that relationship with a person that I cared about. And I, I now understood what that meant like to be in their shoes. And so like, I think it's so important to put ourselves in the situations where we are engaging with diverse people and people that are different from us with different backgrounds and realizing what the words and things that, and actions that we're taking mean to other people. Um, so I just had, I had to share that story right quick because you made me think about that. And to the, to the point of Brene Brown as well, this is the one place where I think that her, you can extend her teaching because she tends to talk about shame, which I, and I understand why she does it is always toxic, but mm-hmm. it's not And this. And this is a great example of a place where sure. shame actually has a healthy you know, kind of um, corralling effect on us when we recognize, oh my gosh, I'm doing something. Or when we're trying to help someone else understand something, shame can be healthy in those circumstances, Mm -hmm. just not when we're, you know, doing it in a bad way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So my next, uh, my next kind of follow-up question to that was, and I'm going to switch the, um, the order that I asked these in. So I hope I don't like throw you off, but what's the biggest piece of advice related to this topic that you're giving? I want to hear like the difference between what, what you would say to a woman kind of in the environment that we're in right now versus Mm -hmm. what you would say to, to a male client dealing with the same issue. Yeah. Well, um, it is a little bit different. Like the way I do my work is very gender neutral uh, mm-hmm. for sure. And the skills um, are not, you know, particularly tailored to, to men or women. And I work with both and I love both, but the way, because it is a different life experience often. And, um, and it, of course it also depends on your um, ethnic background and your particular line of work. I don't always work with water um, professionals. I, my private clients come from lots of different places um, and industries. Um, so everyone picks it up a different way. Um, but there are some trends, I would say there are some trends in which some people, um, you know, may pick something up as truly a, um, like a self-development, like I, I want to create more success for myself. And that can sometimes be a little bit more of a, the, the guys that I work with might look at success a little bit more. It's sort of how they're wired, right. Is to be providers and to have success. And so they might pick up some of the lessons in terms of that. And I do find with some women that, that languaging around being of service and the reason we do this work is being of service to others sometimes gets picked up a little bit more, but there, you know, it doesn't, but I don't want to say that it's like straight down the line and it's so because of genuine diversity, you know, it's, everyone picks it up differently, but, um, really it is about for me connecting with every, each person's unique um, background and their unique ways that they deal with stress and, and their situation and saying, okay, if you now take all of these um, um, approaches that we know work, you can try them out and see which ones work the best at which time, et cetera. Um, but there are some differences, I will say. <laughs> yeah, I've never had more men tell me I mean, because we hang out with some pretty cool dudes. And so they're not mm-hmm. typically the one, they're not the ones that are problem children out there and, and some of these issues. And so I've never had more men apologize to me for being a guy and especially for being a white guy. And I'm like, you don't need to apologize to me for being yeah. like how, you know, you had no control over how you came out. Right. You know? and, like, it's a, and I do, I have a lot of compassion for, it's a tough spot to be right now, honestly. And, you know, sometimes I do think some, um, you know, the, again, that shame wave that I was talking about <laughs> myself, I can't imagine what my white male friends are going through. And some of them are really going through it. And it's beautiful when they do. And you can really see them. There's this little line I see that's a difference between where they're sort of in, still in their provider kind of mode, which is deeply wired in that provider mode where, again, it's, it's kind of this like pat on the head. We want you, we want you involved, but by the way, I still want to be in charge. There's yeah. that phase. <laughs> yeah. And then there's this phase that we're, that we're really starting to see now, which is, oh, I get it. I'm not in charge anymore. Oh, I get it. I'm just one of the voices. And that, I mean, it brings tears to my eyes because that's where we're headed. And, you know, if we all step up and, yeah. um, and that's such a beautiful place to be going, but the, the nuances around how we've been culturally programmed, I mean, those are real and we have to give people a chance to get over it, you know, and sort of make yeah. new decisions. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was going to add on to that where, um, I have so much to add, but I don't even know if I want to go down these paths. I'm like, oh my God, I could talk for hours about this. I know. Um, I mean, dealing with 
you know, in my situation at home is, is just so unique right now is on one hand, I have my mom who's very traditional and, you know, you should work part-time or, 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 you know, even though she was full-time work full-time, but eight to five and check out and go home and be with your kids all the time. Kid, 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 mom, 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 mom. (laughs) And I'm like, great. I love I, I would love that, but that's not the life that my husband, that's not the journey we're on right now. And I'm the breadwinner and I'm the one that's bringing home the bacon and providing on a regular basis. And, and so I'm so grateful that he is on that mindset also is, is this is cool. This is okay. I don't have an issue with this, you know? Um, but it's interesting that the other people around us are going, what is what is this? Yeah. You're who's watching the kids? Their dad, you know. Oh who, who's taking the kids to school? <laughs> who's picking them up? Their dad. Yeah. You know, he's a farmer. He can work whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, and I think that the, the thing that we can recognize is that the world is genuinely changing very, yeah. very quickly. And yeah. so we do. We get these generational things that are happening yeah. in the workplace with our families. And, you know, just to be gentle with ourselves, Mm. that that's, there's real stress and people are really just grappling with so much change Mm. um, and trying to make sense, of course, make meaning as, you know, we we talk about so much, make meaning of things and getting challenged constantly every day. And so that's why it's, you know, like I said, in my work, I tend to just say, what of, of all the ways that you're seeing your world, what barriers are you seeing? What issues, what anger do you have? What frustration we will work with whatever that is. And everyone sort of views it. The, the gender equity one is one that's very common. You know, I do end up in conversations if I've got like a, in my mastermind program, if it's all women that, that day in that meeting that we're having, um, you know, we will sometimes start talking about women in the workplace and there will sometimes be a little bit of frustration with the men and we'll try to re frame that, you know, et cetera. But it's, you know, but just that knowledge that it's, it's kind of okay. And just being gentle with ourselves because it's genuinely stressful. The world is genuinely changing very fast. right? Being graceful. (laughs) Like I've been this year trying to be like, give myself grace on all these situations Mm -hmm. and know that I'm going to make mistakes, know that I'm not going to live up to where I would like to be. Um, So give myself grace and, and trying to give other people grace too. So Yeah, that's That's great. The way we speak, I often say the way we speak to ourselves is almost exactly the same as the way we speak to the world. So if you can work on one or the other, the other one will get better. Like if you can be gentle with yourself, you'll find yourself being gentle with Mm -hmm. someone else and vice versa. (laughs) I get, I hope that's true because I'm, I feel like sometimes we, we say things to ourselves that we would never say to someone else. I'm like, God, why do we say such terrible things to ourselves sometimes? Yeah, like the people, the one person that we have to live with every, literally live with every single day. <laughs> right. This is our but, little piece of the universe we have to take care of. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Got to yeah. take care mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, guys, you don't have to apologize. Just, you know, help, help fly the banner with us and mm-hmm. advocate and, and speak up for us just as you would for anyone else and women, you know, tell your story. And I, yeah, I love that, that we have to give ourselves grace and give each other grace because some of these conversations, and I will give a shout out to Kathy Bailey from Greater Mm -hmm. Cincinnati Waterworks, uh, her presentation at the YP Summit, it wasn't wrapped, but the whole thing rhymed. Oh, at UMC. At UMC, UMC, I'm sorry. Next year, YP Summit. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, The whole thing, the whole thing rhymed, and she was talking about work that Cincinnati has done, but ended with this very candid piece on. 
So on Twitter, this has been almost a year ago, I feel like on Twitter, she reached out to us and was like, I need a name or an acronym or whatever for those moments that women experience where probably men have not experienced the same thing. And because I want to be able to talk about it because a lot of people are not comfortable with putting that out there themselves. And so she was kind of the, the, the microphone and the voice for that. And we even shared one of our own experiences too that made it into that presentation. And so I think that it's also important for us to, in a kind, graceful way, be able to share those experiences and to have the people on the other side of that also be able to listen and hear it with a sense of grace too. Because, I mean, there's some things that are blatantly obvious of, uh, bro, that's not appropriate at all. But there's some things where like, it's just to your point, it it could be a generational thing. It could be maybe something that they wouldn't have even thought of 10 years ago or 20 years ago is now not acceptable in the same way. But just like, having the guts to communicate that and Mm. to share that. And I mean, that's easier said than done. Mm. I know I'm not preaching to be right. We suffer with that in our, in our own ways with different situations. And so I'm not saying that it's easy. No, I'm just saying like, (laughs) nothing about this is easy. (laughs) (laughs) We're in the boat with you too. It may be the low hanging fruit, but it's hard to pick. (laughs) It is. And that's why we tend to avoid it, right? There's a lot, it's way easier to just keep being angry and keep criticizing and keep whatever. And so, so what I, because, because we all feel this, right? We feel it so deeply. It's hard to articulate. This isn't a, it's not a word. It's not a verbal thing. It's like, we can feel it in our bones. And that's why for me, like really helping people truly value themselves and know that showing up and just being here, first of all, you are value. You are equal. You are, this is whatever. And then building up that courage that you're talking about to say, um, I'm going to bring my integrity. I'm going to know my purpose. I'm going to bring my integrity. I'm going to bring my skills. And I'm going to start to tell these stories. And I'm going to start to connect with people in one conversation at a time. Of course, as we showed in the summit, right, in the sketch that we did that Stephanie was um, our actor in, um, you know, the, the point of that was partially to show that every single line of every of that sketch, every single thing that we choose to say in every conversation, every single choice has a ripple and that's where the work really gets done, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, we can get overwhelmed by the big barriers, which are real, but yeah. the only way to dismantle them is, is showing up and being the world that we want to be, right? And actually doing it. And it is hard, hard work, <laughs> but we're in it together. <laughs> in it together. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I just, my last question on, on this bit, cause I'm just curious because you do work with people both inside and outside of the water industry. Yeah. I mean, our industry is 80% white male and how, so how are, do these conversations that you have around this issue kind of vary with some of your other clients that I mean, is it is it more similar than we would think in terms of the issues, or is there a difference in industries that may not be so skewed in demographics? Yeah, well, I will say um, because of who I am, a lot of my clients come from a background that's similar to this. So I, it's not like I'm working a lot with, say, women who work in female-dominated industries. It's just not... They, they probably go and work with a different coach if they're getting coaching or they, you know, it's a different thing. So gotcha. to some extent, there is a bias in my work because I am okay. who I am and, you know, people <laughs> resonate with that and, and I can speak the language and et cetera. Um, but I do, but across that, I will say that 
there is a lot of commonality. I think that a lot of this, what we face in the water industry is just reflective of our society in general, mm. both stress patterns that we have, yeah. the way that we mistake busyness for value. Um, you know, all some of those things, those are just very common in America or in maybe, you know, so, you know, certain, um, um, industrialized, post-industrial modern societies. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of commonalities, but then some, you know, nuances depending. Yeah, sure. All right. Well, before this becomes a three-part, four-hour series, where I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Arian gonna wrap it up. Gonna let Arian get into that lightning round. Okay, Erin, what's your favorite book right now that you can recommend to us? Oh, uh, the thing I would love to see is um, I'd love to see more people read Pema Chodron. Is what I because probably your other guests have not recommended. That, no. but I love her and I'm, I usually have one of hers right now. Okay. I have com- Comfortable with Uncertainty is the one I'm reading right now. Ooh, mm-hmm. I th- I've heard that name, but I don't yeah, know that she's it's a really awesome Buddhist nun um, who lives in Nova Scotia, wow. Colorado. And so a, a lot of the stuff we're talking about around compassion and showing up. Yeah, she's amazing. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is something that you do every day that drives your productivity? Oh, yeah. So you guys will love this. I question the idea of productivity. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you do. Of course I do, right? (laughs) I um, No, I do. Like really understanding what do I mean if I say that. It's a very 20th century machine-oriented word to apply to human beings. And so, I mean, I can use it, but I think of it more as value. And I really try to get inside it and say, what is it I'm trying to accomplish you know, is product like driving myself to productivity sounds so awful. Like that's not a great energy. So, so <laughs> ruin like, this question yeah, forever right, now. I can't right? use it again. <laughs> Leave it to me. <laughs> so that really allows me to have, to own my days and to, you know, to just know it's no problem with the word, but I'm making sure I have my own definition of it so that uh, I'm not being too hard on myself. <laughs> okay. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then what, what, at the end of the day, what is a like? What does success look like for you at the end of the day? Then, like, if it's not necessarily this productivity machine, because I agree, because yeah. that goes to something else that you just said that um, you know, busy equals oh. busy equals productive. That's yeah, that's not true. Yeah. Um, so, I guess for for Aaron Mosley, when you get in bed at night, you're like, damn, that was a good day. What what does that look like? Yeah. So looking in the mirror at the end of the day or in the morning, it's, um, have I lived in my integrity? So, because I have a very robust idea of my purpose and how I want to show up in the world and how I want my world to be. And so I really look for places where I might've compromised, you know, and, Mm. and let something not so good sneak in versus really having the courage to show up and, um, and, you know, be the leader and be the, friend and be the, you know, family member that I want to be. Um, not always easy because sometimes it's tough. Sometimes compassion is very hard work because it might not be what people want. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, so that's the question I ask myself. Am I sort of, I'm not into pride either really, but am I proud of like, you know, how I showed up in my own integrity is, is probably the question I ask. Yep. You have officially ruined that question for me. I have to like figure out a new question to ask. Because like I had this, I had this revelation at the beginning of this year because my word for me for 2019 was really like truth and living your truth and finding, discovering what that is and then living it. And so I had this revelation in January just randomly that was like, I'm, I want to redefine what the word strength means in terms mm-hmm. of that he's a strong man or she's a strong woman. And to right. me, strength now is really measured in how close to someone's truth they live. 
because to your point, it's not easy to do that a lot of times, most of the times. And so people who do that and who have the the courage and the vulnerability to lean into that and be like, God, I don't really want to say this, but this is really like true to my purpose. Like, yes. and do it. <laughs> that to me is strength. Oh, and that God. to me is courage. And uh, I'm redefining that for myself and everyone else who knows and listens. So <laughs> awesome. That is, that's the work right there. It's so good. <laughs> okay. I'm going to see if you ruin this question for me too, which you're, you're welcome uh, to. I've been using it. So now if I have okay. a better one, we're going to do yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So before Arian and I went rogue, we did yeah. public education and outreach, uh, working with community members uh, for mm-hmm. in municipalities. And you know, a lot of what we did was about driving behavior change. And so sometimes we would be talking to people and they would be like, what difference does it make if I make a change? I'm just one person. It's not going to make a difference. And of course, we wholeheartedly disagree with that because to us, change can be contagious and you never really know what you can inspire in someone else. So what is the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? Um, I think if I have one call to action, it's to stay curious And it's to stay curious about the world around us, but also, as we've talked about today, to stay curious about our own um, beliefs and our own assumptions Mm. and how we show up. But that curiosity, again, back to the beginning, curiosity over control, I think Mm. that changes everything. I mean, we'll take it. That's a core value of ours. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. There's just one. I mean, there's so many, but that's one thing that gets me through my days with joy. Yeah. Just stay curious. Awesome. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you. You're hired. (laughs) My last mastermind. (laughs) Oh, it's been such a, it's just so great to, yeah, just. If I ever ask you to get coffee, say no, it'll end up being six hours. (laughs) (laughs) My life. I'm just so, I just love this stuff. So (laughs) yeah, agreed. I knew that this was going to be a good one. I knew Mm -hmm. that when we got to meet at WebTech last year, Ariane couldn't be there because she got sick and went home early. And so when we were having our conversation, I was like, oh my gosh, Arian mm. needs to meet you. Like, it's going to be such a great conversation. Yeah, so. It's one of those, yeah. It's one of those things where I was watching, you know, I was introduced to you guys through mutual, you know, colleagues or whatever, was been watching on social media and definitely just had to practice my own patience to say, that's going to be awesome when it happens, but it doesn't have to happen today. It will happen <laughs> when it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad it's happening yeah. and yes. I hope that it. <laughs> We find ways to collaborate in the future uh, and and work together on different things or just, you know, to continue the conversation because it's obviously an area that we're all passionate about. Um, and so I'm glad to be in this revolution with you. Oh, my so gosh, yes. Looking mm-hmm. forward to it. But thank you again for, for taking time and uh, having this chat with us. Mm-hmm. And we look forward to the future. Thank you. Thank, thank you both so much. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the Water Nerd newsletter. Found at the h2duo.com forward slash newsletter. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore h2duo. We share all of our new episodes there as well as in the newsletter. So whether we come across your feed or in your inbox, be sure to share episodes with your friends, family, colleagues, fellow water nerds. Help us spread the word. We hope you learned something new today, got a little inspired, or did something that brought you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world.